0: Loneliness, loneliness. Loneliness has been defined as that place where no one else shares our particular experience. Now, this means that we can be lonely because there's no one else around us, or this means that we can experience loneliness surrounded by family or friends or loved ones or in a room with hundreds of other people because no one else is sharing our particular experience. Today on Good Friday, we remember the fact that Jesus came into our existence and took upon himself the fullness of our pain, the fullness of our losses. And today in particular, we want to recognize that Jesus stepped into the midst of our loneliness. As we look at the gospel, so often we see that Jesus experienced this sense of loneliness. He was so often alone, even while surrounded by other people. Most often, he was surrounded by his 12 closest followers, but the things deepest to his heart, so often they missed. For example, we read in Mark chapter 9, he said to them, The Son of Man is going to be delivered into the hands of men. They will kill him, and after three days, he will rise. But they did not understand what it meant, and they were afraid to ask him about it. They came to Capernaum. When they were in the house, he asked them, What were you arguing about on the road? But they kept quiet because on the road they had argued about who was the greatest. And this is that moment for Jesus when he opens up his heart and shares with him the things that are deepest and the deepest pains within his soul. He is going to go and die and suffer and take on the fullness of the pain of all of humanity and carry this upon himself. But when he tries to share this with the people closest to him, they just push it off. They just ignore it. To the point where they get into a conversation and an argument about which one of them is the most important of his followers. And they were afraid to ask him about this. They were afraid to approach the subject with him because they knew it would be painful and they just didn't want to hear the things that he had to say. And Jesus' disciples did this to him not just once but over and over and over again throughout the Gospels whenever we read that Jesus explains to them what is coming, this is their response. A few chapters earlier, Jesus explains that he is going to die for them, and Peter rebukes Jesus and fights against him and pushes back on this idea. A few chapters from this, once again, Jesus explains in vivid detail, this is what will be. I will be spit on and beaten and mocked and tortured to death. And again, they just reject it and move on to a conversation about who is the most important of them. Can you imagine the loneliness Maybe you've experienced moments like this where you try and open up your heart to the people around you to share with them the things that are most crying out within your soul and the people around you ignore it. Or the pain within your soul is too deep for them to face and they are frightened by it and so they just push it aside and move on. Maybe you've tasted this kind of loneliness. And then we come to the night before Jesus' death. He's out in the garden, crying out to God in prayer, and he says, my soul is in anguish to the point of death. And he calls his disciples around him and says, I want you to pray with me. And he goes off to pray and comes back, and they're fast asleep. They've just conked right out. And he wakes them up and says, couldn't you pray for one hour? And again, he goes and prays and comes back, and they're fast asleep all over again. And a third time, he comes back, and they're just fast asleep. Can you imagine the impact, and the comfort, and the significance of having someone that you know, and love, and care for with you, praying for you, and praying about the experience as you face your darkest time? And Jesus asked them for this again, and again, and again, and they just couldn't do it. Again, maybe you've had a taste of this experience, a moment where you've called out for help or asked someone else for help, and the people around you just can't do it. They just can't meet you in that space. And the cry of your heart and pain and anguish and isolation just resonates within you, and you're not sure what to do with it all on your own. And then there's the moment of betrayal. Judas comes to Jesus, one of his closest followers and friends, comes to him as a friend and greets him as a friend with an army of people behind him with swords and clubs to arrest him and to take him and to torture him and to move on. All of the disciples flee and spread. Every one of them runs away to save their own life and their own skin. None of them will stand with him. Even Peter, who boldly proclaimed just hours before that he would do anything for Jesus, he would suffer and he would die, he would never reject him, he would never move away from him, runs off to save himself. And then somewhere along the way, he comes to his senses and chooses to follow Jesus from a distance. But as he gets close, people start asking Peter, I think you look like one of Jesus' followers. He says, no, absolutely, it's not me. I have no idea who he is. I've never known him. I've never seen him. I've never met him. Peter does this three times. And the third time, he calls down curses on himself to boldly declare that he has never, ever known Jesus or anything about him. And then the rooster crows. And Jesus looks up, and his eyes meet Peter's eyes. It's likely that Jesus was close enough to hear every single word that Peter said. Can you imagine the loneliness? The pain of someone closest to you denying that they've ever known you, calling down curses on themselves to make sure that everyone around them knows they've never seen you or been close to you or they have nothing to do with you. Can you imagine the intensity of someone who should have been there to support you, abandoning and betraying you, and everyone else just running off? And again, maybe not like this, but maybe you've known that moment of the sting of betrayal when someone who should have been there for you rejected or abandoned you or betrayed you into the hands of someone painful. Maybe you've understood a taste of this particular kind of loneliness. And then Jesus is taken and he's stripped and he's nailed to a cross all alone with a crowd around him jeering him and mocking him and making fun of him, and criminals on either side, one of whom is making horrendous comments towards him. And then some of the women, and Jesus' mother, and eventually the disciple John, come around to watch this experience. Can you imagine how degrading this would feel? To hang there exposed and helpless, all of your dignity and all of your personal strength gone with your mom and a bunch of other people who've been close friends watching on, completely helpless to do anything for you. And maybe not like this, but again, maybe you know a taste of the loneliness of being humiliated, or degraded, or pushed aside. And then comes the deepest moment of loneliness, Jesus is the eternal Son, God the Son. He has lived forever, for all of eternity, in perfect, beautiful oneness and harmony with God the Father and God the Holy Spirit, never experiencing a moment's sense of separation from either of them. And then all of a sudden, as the weight of all of humanity's sin descends upon Jesus, he tastes the punishment that was rightfully mine and yours, as the Father turns his face away, and Jesus knows for the very first time what it feels like to be separated from the Father. And he cries out in absolute agony and anguish with the words of Psalm 22, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? It's the kind of guttural anguish cry that we make when someone close to us dies, and the core of our soul just cries out in the space of longing, the sense of agony, the pain of all of this. Jesus knows that it will turn out for good and for rightness, but in this moment, there's just this deep cry of agony and loneliness and pain. Jesus has stepped into the midst of our loneliness. And loneliness has been called the epidemic of our time. We live in a season where society is fractured in countless kinds of ways. Transportation is so much easier, and we live often so far from the people that we've grown up with, or known, or family, or friends that we've loved for a long time. And we may be alone because physically we are alone. But maybe we are alone because we feel alone. We are the most connected generation of all time. Technology gives us the capacity to see one another, to hear one another, to connect with one another on an instant by instant basis. But the deep cry of our heart is still that we are so profoundly alone. For so many of us, we race through our days posting all kinds of things on social media and checking them over and over and over again to see who will respond, who will like it, who will engage with it, who might possibly comment on it because we want to be seen, we want to be recognized. We long for someone to validate, to validate us, to recognize the deep core of who we are and to proclaim that we are loved and seen and known. And even as you move towards this particular holiday, maybe your heart is in anguish Maybe because you are alone, and you wish so deeply that friends or family or loved ones could be around you. And for others of us, as we look towards this particular holiday, we feel profoundly alone because we know that friends and family and loved ones will be all around us, and we will still feel profoundly alone. And the words of the Proverbs resonate with our soul. Each heart knows its own bitterness, and no one else can share its joy. I don't know what you've come into this place carrying this evening, what kind of loneliness is on your heart or mind or soul. Maybe it's the loss of a loved one. Maybe it's this aching feeling that you sit constantly surrounded by people but feel like no one really knows you. No one really shares the burdens of your heart. No one really understands the extent of your journey. And the truth of Good Friday is that someone does know us fully. The God who formed you and fashioned you and created you has stepped into the midst of your loneliness and into the midst of mine. He moves into the reality of exactly what our lives look like. He knows what it feels like to be ignored and betrayed and abandoned and misunderstood and rejected and pushed aside. He has journeyed through all of it. And he journeys with you through it now. As the prophet Isaiah wrote, He had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him, nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by mankind, a man of suffering and familiar with pain, like one from whom people hide their faces. He was despised, and we held him in low esteem. Jesus gets all of it. He understands what all of this feels like. He recognizes these moments, and he can care for us and journey through our moments of loneliness and suffering like only someone who has also journeyed through loss and loneliness and suffering possibly can. But the fascinating thing about Jesus is that he does so much more than just understand our loneliness. He also brings and pours into us the capacity to overcome it. Isaiah continues, Surely he took up our pain, and bore our suffering yet we considered him punished by god stricken by him and afflicted but he was pierced for our transgressions he was crushed for our iniquities the punishment that brought us peace was on him and by his wounds we are healed you see he took up the reality of all of our pain He carries the intensity of it on himself. And the sin that separated us from the life and the presence of God in that deep place that our souls cry out and long for, Jesus took all of this up so that if we choose to, we can live again in life and relationship with God, welcomed into this beautiful and eternal family where we know belonging and significance and connection and meaning beyond anything that we could possibly know, the meaning that all of our hearts cry out and long for, and as we know God, the presence of his own Holy Spirit comes and fills us so that wherever we go and we, wherever we may be, whatever we may be doing, we have the very presence of God along for the journey, that we never have to face any particular moment alone. He goes with us through all of our joys and all of our sorrows. He's a beautiful and a faithful companion. He will lead us and guide us and encourage us and challenge us along the way. And God also knows that we need more than just a sense of his presence, we need a tangible experience of community. And so he invites us into his family, into the church, this beautiful thing that he is building, where we come with all of our imperfections and all of our failings, and he teaches us how to love one another, how to forgive one another, how to heal, and how to grow. How to minister to each other in the midst of our loneliness and all of the uncertainties of life. You see, Good Friday tells us that we are not alone because God Himself, in His infinite perfection, has stepped into the midst of our reality, into all of our pain and all of our loneliness, and He has taken it upon Himself. And so, what does loneliness look like for you this evening? What are the places where you feel unseen? The parts where you feel disconnected? The areas where you long to be known? Jesus invites us today to bring these things into his presence, to know the fellowship of his goodness in all of those spaces. Because Jesus has tasted all of this before. And so I want to encourage you right now, just take a moment and just close your eyes if it's meaningful to you. And just name what your loneliness looks like. Just say, Jesus, this is where I feel unseen. Jesus, this is where I feel alone. This is where I feel like no one understands me. And just name those things before Him. And then just take a moment and just welcome Jesus into those spaces of loneliness. And then just ask him, is there some particular way that Jesus wants to meet you in that space of loneliness? Again, it may be through the goodness of the presence of his spirit. It may be through the community of people around you. It may be through just the affirmation that you belong to him and are a part of his family. How does Jesus want to meet you in that space? And today, if you're here and you don't yet have a relationship with God through Christ, I would invite you, if it's something you're interested in or if you have questions about, there'll be people here at the front following the service. They would love to connect with you to answer any questions that you have, to pray with you, to explain the journey with you. But as we go into this space, as we go into this Easter experience, we celebrate and we remember that God didn't leave us on our own. That He's not just God with us in the delight and the excitement, the joy of Christmas— that He is God with us in the moments of our loss and our pain, in the spaces where we feel abandoned and unsure. He is God with us in the midst of our loneliness.